0: to go back. We're going to go back to the book of Exodus. If you can recall, we began teaching the book of Exodus sometime, <laughs> not that long ago, but it's been some time ago. And we stopped in chapter 27. And one of the reasons why I stopped in chapter 27 was because I thought you guys may have gotten kind of bored, so to speak, as we started talking about, you know, the tabernacle, the building of the tabernacle, the priest, the garments of the priest, things like that. some people can find it boring, but I've decided to continue on. I want to complete the book of Exodus. So we are going to continue on in the book of Exodus. If God's will, we are going to complete the book of Exodus as we move into this next chapter, which we will be talking about today. We won't be getting into fine details, but I don't think it's actually necessary to get into a lot of fine details as we talk about really the garments of the priest, but we're going to do that. We're going to continue in our study in the book of Exodus as well. I think from time to time, what I'm going to do is this, because it's been in my mind. I want to talk about some of the prophets of the Old Testament, not only to speak from an historical point of view, that is what happens with the prophets during their times uh, as they prophesied to Israel, the North or Judah, Jerusalem, the South. It depends on what prophet we're talking about. Uh, Not only that, but the relevance of their prophecy as it is today, as it speaks today prophetically, as it speaks today, as well as the practical message that we can garner from the life of the prophet, his message, and from what the prophet was dealing with with respect to the activities of the people. What were the people doing? Why did God send the prophet? Now we do know this in a nutshell, God basically energized the prophet to uh, get the people to return to their obedience, to their adherence to the law of Moses. The people had broken the covenant that God had made with them at Sinai, which is where we are now. And so this is why we went into the prophet. but okay, enough of all of that. All I'm saying is I think from time to time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up the prophet Jeremiah and Jeremiah is going to are going to find out that Jeremiah is going to be a prophet right before the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. But we'll talk about all of that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go from I don't know exactly how, but move from Exodus and then I'll do something in Exodus. Then I'll probably go into Jeremiah. So from one to the other, and then we'll just kind of move along in that direction. But I do want to finish Exodus as we talk about um, the things of the law. Okay. Because I think it is so important for us to understand the law. Now I'll say this, let me just say this in a nutshell, even though we'll be covering the things in the law of Moses, we know that we are no longer under the law, but nevertheless, the law has practical usage. And as Paul said in, the, in, in Timothy, that the law is good if it is used in the lawful manner to the which it was intended to. But we ain't going to get into all of that. Always do that. But nevertheless, it is good to understand and to know the law so that we can understand the righteousness of God and also see the righteous uh, conduct that God expects from his people. Enough said with all of that. So now let us finally get into Exodus chapter 28, And we'll be dealing with the garments of the priest. So now what is going on? God, of course, we understand has brought them out of the land of Egypt with a hand of power. And God has smitten Egypt with those 10 plagues that we talked about. And then God has brought them through the Red Sea. He is, they're not in the promised land yet. But they're at this particular mountain to the which, where God met Moses. Remember where the burning bush was? And God told Moses that he would bring the people to that mountain and there they would worship God. So they are now here worshiping God, being brought into a covenantal relationship with God. And in that covenantal relationship, you need to know how to worship a holy God. And so God is giving them his law. And we understand this later on to be the Mosaic law. Now, of course, all the law will not be given at one time, all 613 commandments. But from time to time, as God would speak to Moses, all of this would be compiled into the 613 commandments that we understand to be the law of Moses. But for the moment, we are at the mountain. Remember when the people ran away uh, Exodus chapter 20, as God was speaking from the mountain in great power of fire and thunder and a great voice of a trumpet, I am Yahweh, the one who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slaves, nor the God besides me. That God. And so Moses has gone up into the mountain to receive further instructions of the Lord in how. Uh, to build the tabernacle. And that's what we were talking about in chapter 27 and previous chapter, the building of the tabernacle. And now he's going to talk about the priests who are to serve God in that tabernacle on the behest, on the behalf, on the behalf of the people themselves. So the priest is like the go between the priest is the representative of the people of Israel before God. And so these priests are to, uh, uh, symbolize the God himself. That is the, the, the the presence of God, the glory of God. That's the better terminology. They are to symbolize the glory of God in their attire as their attire itself speaks of their job. That is to bring the people of Israel before God as their attire, their wardrobe speaks of this. And also as they bear the people before God himself, the people, their prayers, their desires, their sins before the Lord himself. Okay. So all of that is in chapter 28, as we see God dealing with the priest. Now, chapter 28, let's get ready to get into it. It's kind of long. I think it's something like 44 verses but we're not going to take a long time at this as we are basically talking about the attire, the clothing of the priest. And we're going to talk about the clothing of the high priest, the high priest, as well as the clothing of the priest themselves. But the attention is going to be primarily on the appearance, the clothing of the high priest. Okay. And, and, and so let me say this just in case you don't understand it. Remember, it will be from the family of Aaron. That is, remember, Aaron is the brother of Moses. It will be from this family, Aaron's family alone, who will be the priests of Israel. Now, remember, it is the wider family of the Levites. That is, remember, the 12 tribes. The Levites were one of the 12 tribes that were chosen to serve the priests to serve God. So it's from the Levites from the tribe of the Levites, Aaron's family is a part of the Levite, the Levitical family. From Aaron's family alone will come the priests. Of the priests that are in Aaron's family, one of them will be the high priest, and the high priest would be unique amongst all of the priests in both his duties as well as his appearance. And that's what we're going to see in chapter 28. So let's get into it. Uh, It's kind of long, but we're going to make it short because we're going to talk about simply the attire and any meaning that I want want to bring out associated with that attire as it pertains to our true high priest who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay, verse number one, then bring near to yourself Aaron, your brother, And his sons with him from among the sons of Israel to minister as priests to me, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, Ithamar, Aaron's son. So notice what we have set apart. Now, God has set apart Aaron and his sons, Aaron, his sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. Interesting how God sets them out in pairs, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. Okay. And Nadab and Abihu. Eleazar and Ithamar will be the priests. Aaron, the father, will be the high priest. And they will serve God in this capacity as they minister into the tabernacle of God. Remember, we've been talking about that. If you've forgotten, go back and look at all that stuff that we did. was chapters 26, 27 in the book of Exodus in the tabernacle, which was this construction, roughly 75 by 150 feet, surrounded by curtains, to the which in the most holy place would be the Ark of the Covenant that symbolized God's presence amongst the people of Israel. So the tabernacle was what? It signified the presence of God, God's dwelling with his people. And it takes you all the way back to what John said in John chapter 1 concerning Jesus, how the body of Jesus, Jesus was given a body so that he might what? Dwell amongst Israel. All right. But anyway, we're not into all of that. And so Aaron and his sons would minister in this tabernacle before the Lord uh, on behalf of the people. Verse number two, you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all of the skillful persons whom I have endowed with the spirit of wisdom that they make that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him that he may minister as priest to me. These are the garments which they shall make, a breast piece and an ephod and a robe and a tunic of checkered work, a turban, a sash, and they shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons that he may minister as priest to me. So all he's saying is this that the garments that will be made for Aaron and his sons will be particular or even peculiar garments that make them stand out. And notice what God says, it shall be for glory and for beauty. Now, we're going to find out later on at the very end of this chapter that they are only to wear these garments when they minister before the Lord in the tabernacle. Outside the tabernacle, they are not to wear these garments, Mm -hmm. but... In the tabernacle, they are to wear these garments for fear of death. That is, if they don't wear the garments that God is saying for them, they will be put to death by God. But so he's saying that these things are to be made. I'm at verse number three now, talking skillfully. That is, beautiful garments. And these garments will be made by men who are skilled men as Aaron and his sons function as priests before the Lord and then in verse number four, he talks about those particular pieces of the garments, notably, notably, the, the, the particular pieces that come for the construction of the full attire of the high priest. He talks about a breast piece, that would be a breastplate. We'll talk about all of these things as we move through the text. An ephod, a robe, a tunic of checkered work. And when it says checkered work, that is a, a beautifully ornamented ornamented garment, but we'll talk about all of that, a turban and a sash, turban is that which you put on the head, the sash is what you put on the waist, and they shall be holy garments for Aaron and his sons. So these are to be particular clothings that will be made for both Aaron as well as his sons. And in that, verse number five, don't know if I read it, but just in case, they shall take the gold and the blue, the purple and the scarlet material and the fine linen. And if you recall, when we look at the, the colors that the uh, tabernacle itself was made of, remember, the tabernacle is a representation of God. We can even say a representation of Christ. But all of it, it all of it in some way or another symbolizes Christ and His work. And we know Christ, Jesus, is God, God who dwells with us. But anyway, The point of verse number five is notice the relationship of the same colors, the gold, blue, purple, scarlet, and fine linen, that which looks like the white. All of these things are very, uh, the exact thing that the tabernacle is made of. So there is a direct association with the colors of the tabernacle and the colors of the clothing of the priest, especially the high priest. Okay. Verse number six. Now let's read six through uh, 14, and in six through 14, we're gonna be talking about the ephod, and this we'll, we'll discuss all of that, just exactly what the ephod is. But six through 14, we'll read it. That's why hopefully this chapter won't be so long, even though it is long, but it's about the different articles of clothing. And this article that he's about to talk about now for the high priest. And this is what we are mainly talking about. Everything from here on is about the high priest till we get to the end of the chapter, till we get to the end of the chapter. Everything is about the clothing of the high priest. And I'm also gonna have a picture as we're working through these things to show you exactly what the appearance of the high priest would be. But now let's talk about the ephod, this article of clothing. Verse six, they shall also make the ephod Of gold, of uh, of blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen, the work of the skillful workmen. And so, note the ephod is basically gonna be an outer. It's gonna be an ornate, a beautiful outer garment. And you can see it right here. Here's a pointer pointing to the high priest and his clothing and the ephod that's going to be ornamented. It's going to just, just whatever that construction will be in in how the decorative design in that outer garment will be. And that's when he talks about all of those things that are associated with it. But let's keep going. It should have two shoulder pieces joined to his two ends that it may be joined that is hooked together for the two shoulders, the skillful woven band which is on it shall be like workmanship of the same material of gold, blue, purple, scarlet material, fine twisted linen. The material will be the same for the most part throughout, even for the shoulder straps that hold on it. You shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel. Six of their names, on the one stone and the names of the remaining six on the other stone according to their birth. As a jeweler engraves a signet, you shall engrave the two stones according to the names of the sons of Israel. You shall set them in filigree settings of gold. You shall put the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of memorial for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for a memorial. Let's just finish 13 and 14. You shall make filigree settings of gold and two chains of pure gold. You shall make them of twisted cordage work. You shall put the corded chains on the filigree settings. Now, in all of this, all it's saying is this. In this particular ephod that you see, this ornate, outer wearing, uh, on, uh, un- uh, underneath and now on the top, you'll see this breastplate with the jewels on, on it, the 12 jewels. Underneath this, and you will see even down to the waist, to the waist, you'll see this on it. Uh, that's with the gold and the, and, and, the linen and things of that nature, fine linen. This is the ephod. Now on the top of this, remember the two, two onyx stone, you see on the shoulder will be, uh, Two, jewelry, two ornate pieces with the 12 tribes of Israel. Six names on each uh, piece, on each stone would be the 12 tribes of Israel. So he, Aaron will wear this when he goes before the Lord, which teaches that he is bearing the children of Israel. He's be, he's bearing them up. He's representing them before the Lord. now. Let us move into this. It, it, although he's speaking of the high priest, and this is the garments of the high priest, yes, we do understand that ultimately it speaks of Jesus Christ, our high priest. So I don't, I don't want to get so bogged down. We'll talk about all of these other things concerning the dress wear, but I don't want to uh, bog you down with simply the dress wear without you understanding the spiritual significance of these things, even though it pertains to the children of Israel and the high priest is representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Notice, and here's where I'm pausing, with those stones, with the names engraved on those stones. As the high priest goes in to minister, to do whatever it is he does before the Lord, whether especially... Okay, and we don't want to get into that because that is very premature. But in the service of the high priest, in whatever capacity that he is serving, but especially when he goes into the holy place, okay, when he goes into that holy place and does that ministry of whatever he does before the Lord, it is always with the mindset that he bears the children of Israel. He bears remembrance of them. He bears the sin of them, even more so. And that we'll talk about at a later time. Okay. Uh, uh, sin for himself as well as sins for the people, but a later time. So he represents uh, uh, the people before the Lord. Christ is our true high priest because what we have a high priest that has passed into the heavens that is in the true temple of God. And what does it indicate? What does this implicate? That he bears before God the names of his people, that the the remembrance, our remembrance before God is always upon Jesus and Jesus in his function. Now, When Jesus first came, we got to understand it. When Jesus came, Jesus has basically three manners to the which he functions. He functions three manners into the which he will function. When he first came, he functioned as a prophet. That's how he functioned as a prophet. All right. Once Jesus functioned as a prophet, of course, he lived. He died for our sins, resurrected from the dead, ascended into heaven. Now that he is in heaven, the Bible teaches, he is functioning now, and this is basically the teachings of the book of Hebrews, chapter two, chapter four, chapter five, and on and on and on, as it talks about the ministry of Jesus as a high priest being a greater ministry than the high priestly office of Aaron, to the which we won't get into that now. But the point is, Jesus is our great high priest. And what does he do? He intercedes for us before God, the father. So there we have a true great high priest who is always interceding. Remember those Onyx stones that we're talking about where the names of the tribes of Israel, the high priest would go in with the names always bearing them before God. And this is Jesus as he bears the names of his people. And not just simply, not only the 12 tribes of Israel, that is in Cape, that is true. The elect, the elect of the 12 tribes of Israel. But not only does Jesus bear the names of the tribes of Israel, but the names of all of God's people, all of the elect. So it signifies that even your name and my name, Jesus bears in heaven before God the Father. There is always a remembrance of God's people because of what Jesus is doing right now. He, a high priest, even, and I'm kind of tempted to say like the writer of uh, uh, Hebrews say, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, a priesthood better than that of Aaron, better than this priesthood that we're talking about now. But I'm going back because I'm making it too long and I'm supposed to not do that. So it talks about these stones and that's the issue. That's the spiritual indication how he bears up Israel and the whole issue of all of his garment, not only for glory as one who is in some sense representative uh, in the face, in the sight of God, not only for glory, but also of the duties of his office. All of the clothing of the high priest speak to this in some sense or another. It is not simply for the uh, 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 beauty of the high priest. Yeah, it does do that. It do that. But in the sense of, as it represents the people of God before a holy and glorious God, and therefore he's given this beauty, but enough said. enough of all that. Let's go back to these stones. Uh, And then they said, finally, these stones will be set. Into the ephod. So that's the final thing that we were talking about. The ephod, which is this outer garment that the high priest will wear. It is an ornament outer garment with all of the different colors with these two stones. And it will be fastened both on the top as well as the lower part of the clothing of Aaron. All right. So now let's get into the next section. Verse number 15 to deal 15 through basically 21. And now we're going to talk about that little construction that you see on the front of the chest. That's called the breastplate. Okay. 15, you shall make a breast piece of judgment, the work of a skillful workman, like the work of the ephod. You shall make it of gold, blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen. You shall make it, it shall be square and fold it double, a span in length and span in width. You shall mount on it four rows of stones. The first row shall be a row of ruby, topaz, and emerald. The second row, turquoise, sapphire, and a diamond. Third row, jacinth, agate, amethyst. Fourth row, beryl and onyx, jasper. And they shall be set in gold filigree. And that thing that filigree simply is embroidered into the material. Think of it that way, embroidered into the material. The stones shall be according to the names of the sons of Israel. Twelve according to their names, they shall be like the engraving of a seal, each according to his name for the twelve tribes. So not difficult at all. Here we come into this particular item, with, uh, called the breastplate. And in this breastplate, basically about roughly about nine inches or so as it covers the chest, it shall be engraven with, with four rows, with four rows, three in each row of jewels and each jewel representing one of the 12 tribes of Israel, which speaks as it is upon the breastplate the breastplate that the high priest should bear upon his heart all of the tribes of Israel in other words we understand that his role is not a role into the which he serves himself but his role is a role by the which he is serving others in the presence of God for their benefit for the glory of God and in the same way we can see this For our Lord Jesus in all that he has done and is doing, he does it on behalf of us, but even more. So let's talk about this breastplate. Notice that within the breastplate are jewels representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And what do this, does this speak of? Because they are jewels. It tells that these things, jewels are of great value upon the heart of the high priest. So as the jewels represent the 12 tribes of Israel, it speaks of the value in the sight of God, the value of the people of God in the sight. So as it pertains to Jesus, these jewels, uh, okay, representing the 12 tribes, ultimately speaking of what? Representing the elect of God, the people of God, even for all ages. Okay. Indeed Israel, but also expansive to the people of God unto all ages. For Jesus Christ is not only a high priest for the nation of Israel, the elect of Israel, but he is a high priest for all who believe in his name. So the jewels speak of the preciousness. So what is the mindset of Jesus concerning us as he represents us to God. They are precious. We are precious in the sight of Jesus. It takes your mind back to the teachings of Jesus. Remember when Jesus talked about Matthew 13 and beyond, uh, and I don't have time to get into that, but I did a teaching on that. The kingdom of God, this speaks of the people of God. The kingdom of God is like a man who finds a, a pearl, uh, uh, and, 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 and what does he do? He sells everything for the possession of this thing, or he finds a jewel of great value in a field. And what does he do? He sells everything to buy the whole field because it is a very precious thing that he desires to possess. So what do these jewels in the breastplate of the high priest signify? That upon his heart, treasured and beloved, he represents the people of God. And the high priest is always in this mindset, not myself that I'm representing, always aware of his own sinfulness, but that he is serving the people of God and they are dear to him. And so we are to Jesus Christ. We are the jewels upon Jesus' chest that he represents before God the Father, precious in his sight. Okay, enough of that. And then it talks about to the witch, it is not necessary to talk about all of those particular jewels, but the fact that they are of great value. Okay. Verse number 22. Now let's continue on. Uh, The breast piece and how it's attached. You shall make on the breast piece chains of twisted cordage working pure gold. You shall make on the breast piece two, p- two rings of gold and shall put the two rings on the two ends of the breast piece. And this is simply to attach the breast piece. That's all he's just talking about and using gold rings to attach the breast piece so that it can be snug and held on tightly. But let's simply read the rest of it. Verse 24, you shall put the two cords of gold on the two rings at the ends of the breast piece. You shall put the other two ends of the two cords, on the two filigree settings. You put them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod at the front of it. You shall make two rings of gold and shall place them on the two ends of the breast piece, on the edge of it, which is toward the inner side of the ephod. You shall make two rings of gold and put them on the bottom of the two shoulder pieces of the ephod, on the front of it, close to the place where it is joined above the skillfully woven band of the ephod, they shall bind the breast piece by its rings to the rings of the ephod with a blue cord so that it will be on the skillfully woven band of the ephod and that the breast piece will not come loose from the ephod. Now, in all of that just simply saying there will be two chains, chain two chains above two chains below. And these two chains, remember the ephod, is that beautifully uh, 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 ornated garment, outer garment, on top of this beautifully ornated garment, the ephod, would be this breastplate, and you're gonna secure the bless secure the be- breastplate <laughs> securely, on the ephod so that it won't be shaking and so that it won't come off. So it'll have a snug fit. And that's all it's talking about here. Okay. And it'll be have a little blue cord and, and notice the value of all of the material and the, the beauty and the glory and how ornate the appearance of the high priest. He who represents God before the people, he who bears the people before God. Notice how beautiful he is. Verse number 29, Aaron shall carry the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment over his heart when he enters the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. You shall put in the breastpiece of judgment the Urim and Thummim, and they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord and Aaron shall carry the judgment of the sons of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. Now he continues on verse number 29 and 30 talks about something else, a unique pocket inside of the breast piece. And this is what he's talking about here that he bears over his heart as he enters before the Lord talks about the judgment before the Lord. Okay. And he talks about in this breast piece, there will be a little pocket and in the pocket will be two particular jewels. And these jewels will be taught, are called the Urim and Thubim. And, the, and, and okay, it's not a lot can be said about that. But the point is this, the, uh, uh, the Urim and the Thummim uh, to the which we don't know what happened to those pieces of jewels. All right but they were uh, used to determine the will of God. And, and it seems that they were called the Urim and the Thummim because actually if you looked at, uh, if you looked at the, the words in the Greek w- w- that deals with the Urim and the Thummim, the Urim actually begins with Aleph, which is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the Thummim is uh, Tav, which is the final alphabet of the Hebrew alphabet. But we're not going to get into all of that. But it seemed to suggest that that some people call it lights, shadows, or whatever. To determine the will of God, the high priest would use this particular uh, jewels. That is, he would ask a question, kind of like in a sense, a a series of questions, like in a yes or no fashion, and whichever stone he pulled out, Yes or no. And that's the idea of the Urim and Thummim. So he would go in before the Lord and in that little pack, patch, pocket that is inside of the breastplate is behind it. You can't see it would be these two stones, the Urim and the Thummim that he would use to determine the will of God. Asking questions like in a yes or no fashion. Uh, uh, should I do this or whatever and reach in the pocket? If you pull out this stone, yes, or pull out that stone, the answer is no, to determine the will of God. And that's what it's talking about here, the Urim and the Thummim. Verse number 31, you shall make the robe of the ephod all of blue. There shall be an opening at its top in the middle of it. Around its opening, there shall be a binding of woven work like the opening of a coat of mail so that it will not be torn. You shall make on his hem pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet all around his hem and bells of gold between them all around. Okay, let's stop. As we now, he's talking about this. This is also an outer garment. As you see here, the outer garment of blue. And this is what he's talking about this particular robe. So you see what? You see, the ephod is the most outer, exterior garment, the one with all of the the ornamentation, the breastplate, the ephod, and then this blue robe that you're looking at right here. And this is what he's talking about, this outer garment of robe that hangs all the way down below the knees. And then at the end, at the very bottom, the hem of the robes, will be these golden bells. And this is what he's talking about here. And you see that in this particular depiction. Verse 34, a golden bell and a pomegranate. Notice, a golden bell, pomegranate, golden bell, a pomegranate, all the way around the hem of the robe. It shall be on Aaron when he ministers, and his tinkling shall be heard when he enters and leaves the holy place before the Lord so that he will not die. Okay, so now so so it's just, it's simple. This is that blue robe that you see again and the bells and notice you'll have what? a golden bell, then you have next to it a pomegranate. This is you know the the a symbol of a pomegranate that the, the uh, another golden bell and then what? The making of like a pomegranate, golden bell. So that's the way it goes. And it goes all the way around the hem so that as Aaron is inside of the holy place, ministering before the Lord and doing whatever service that he is doing. All right. You can always with these bells as he's moving, hear him tinkling. So you hear the constant tinkling of the bell. This will indicate the tinkling of the bell would indicate that Aaron is still alive. And if it, okay, not only just Aaron, but whatever high priest, because remember these are the garments that the high priest will wear. So whoever the high priest will be, whether Aaron or one of his successors, as he's moving around, these little bells are just tinkling around to let you know that God is in a sense, this is the idea is accepting his service. And God has not found some uncleanness in Aaron to the, which he would kill Aaron or kill the high priest. And because what the moment that you notice, wait a minute, I don't hear any tinkling of those bells. Then something is wrong. And God has found some uncleanness and has judged the high priest and the high priest is dead. Now with respect to that, it was once believed, it was once stated. We don't know how true it is, but according to some, the high, to, to some traditions, the high priest, uh, because remember now, the high priest, only the high priest could enter into the most holy place and then only at a sacred day of the year, the uh, Yom Kippur. But we're not going to get into that. But the only the high priest can enter into certain places. So it was believed that the high priest at times would, would wear a rope around his ankle, so that while he, is, while he is ministering, you know what happened? You got the tinkling of the bells, so his work is acceptable with God. So he finally does it and comes out. But if the bells stop tinkling, you believe that the high priest is dead, and you see that he has delayed in coming out. We believe that he has been struck with judgment. So they would tie the rope around his ankle because what? No other person will be allowed into the presence of God so that you don't get killed yourself, but you still need to get the high priest out. They will pull him out by the rope that's on his ankle. Now, whether or not that's true or not, I don't know. Maybe we don't know, but nevertheless we see the functioning of the bells that's being talked about here. Okay. Come on. Let me bring this to a close. Verse number 36, I believe it is. Yes. You shall also make a plate of pure gold and shall engrave on it like the engraving of a seal, holy to the Lord. You shall fasten it on a blue cord and it shall be on the turban. It shall be at the front of the turban. It shall be on Aaron's forehead and Aaron shall take away the iniquity of the holy things which the sons of Israel consecrate with regard to all of their holy gifts. And it shall always be on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. Now, this particular article is like the crown, the, the, the mitre. Okay. Aaron, and as you'll see in the depiction that we have here, Aaron has this turban, white turban on his head. But in this, the band that goes around the forehead, like the crown on his head, this is the article of clothing that is talking about here, right? It's a golden article. And on this golden article that's on the forehead, notice what it shall be graven with the words, holy to the Lord. And that speaks of Aaron, Aaron himself in his ministry, as well as his representation of the people before the Lord that Aaron and the people are supposed to be what holy unto the Lord. But also notice too, in a sense of function, a representative function of this particular crown that he is wearing. It is a consecration that it does what it takes away the iniquity of the holy things, of all of the consecrated things of Israel. In other words, uh, imagine it in such a way as this, all the things, the people of Israel, even we are sinful no matter what it is. What did Isaiah say? Even all of our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. All of our so-called righteousness, there's nothing clean of us. Anything that we touch is almost like the imputation of sin. These holy articles, all the things that are supposed to be involved. And we don't have time to talk about all of these things, but everything that is involved in the tabernacle that Moses is going to sprinkle with blood, consecrate unto the Lord that will be holy unto God himself in the service of God. But Every time we touch it, anything that we touch, it is messed up with sin. Why? We are, so it tells about, it tells us something about who and what we are. We are sinful, sold unto sin, and there is no hope for us. Okay? But nevertheless, God desires relationship with us. And even though, and and that's what the tabernacle is all about. God desires relationship. God desires to dwell with us, but you cannot avoid the fact that we are so sinful. So God has to deal with sin. So in a, in a nutshell, that band that's crossed Aaron's head deals, symbolizes the, the sense of consecration of all the holy things of God that Even though the children of Israel use these things, touch these things in their service to God, that is, in the tabernacle, things that are devoted to the worship and the service of God, by their very touching of it, it is sinful, but nevertheless, God receives it. God receives it as it is consecrated by the high priest. And this speaks of Jesus. What? God desires relationship even with us, but who of us cannot say that we are not sinful? What did Paul say? For all have sinned in the past, but what? And that's where the Greek comes to help us out. And continue to fall short of the glory of God. And again, what does he say? And John, this is John. And if we say that we are not having sin. That's the Greek, if we give the Greek rendering of what John was trying to say. If we say that we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. So the point is God, people sin, but what Jesus himself as our great high priest, he bears, he deals with, he consecrates us. He deals with our sins so that we ourselves may be acceptable in the sight of God. Even in the service of God, he consecrates us. As the high priest consecrates the articles and even the service of the people of God, Jesus consecrates us so that our service and so that our persons may be acceptable in the sight of God. But let me go on. All right. So where are we? Uh, 39 you shall weave the tunic of checkered work of fine linen. I I think I talked about that, but the tunic of check. No, I didn't. You shall 39. You shall, you shall weave the tunic of checkered work of fine linen, make a turban of fine linen, make a sash, the work of a weaver for Aaron's son. You shall make tunics. You shall also make sashes for them. You shall make caps for them for glory and for beauty. So let's talk about that. So he's kind of rounded it out. He's finished talking about the clothing for the most part of the high priest. And then he's talking about the tunic uh, uh, of checkered work of fine linen. And this is this garment that you see here, that inner garment. That is that which becomes closest to the body of the high priest, uh, 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 also ornated, but of fine linen. That's that white tunic that you see. Okay. And white, we all know always symbolizes what the purity and the holiness. So this is that fine linen that he makes that is near him. And then he talks about the turban that will be made of the same material. Notice that inner linen that you see here, you see that near the feet of the high priest here and the turban on top of his head made of the same material, that same white linen that will serve as cap for him. Okay. And then it talks about the sash. Now the sash is not seen as in this particular picture, but it would be a sash around his waist of beauty. Okay. The work of a weaver. And then it talks about verse number 40, uh, for Aaron's son. So now that we've dealt with Aaron, verse number 40, now talks about the sons. The distinction that we need to see here is Aaron looks different from his sons. They are priests. They are all priests. But Aaron is the high priest. And only the high priest will have these decorative clothing that we've been talking about. Now, the sons will also have clothing uh, that, that will be distinct and clothing of glory and honor. But nothing like the high priest. And it will not resemble the high priest clothing at all. But it will be clothing that will set them apart as they themselves are also what ministering on behalf of the people, but not like, not like Aaron, okay, who is the high priest, actually symbolizing Christ himself. And the priest can be considered kind of like us. What did even God say to Israel that he would make them the nation, the nation as a nation of priests? And what does God say about us? how we ourselves will become a kingdom. We in New Testament time, a kingdom of priests unto our God. So we also will be glorified just like our Lord Jesus will be glorified, but not with the same unique glory as he has. Same thing here with the sons of Aaron, but let's bring it out. So we see uh, verse number 40 uh, clothing will be made for them. Closing it, you shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with him. You shall anoint them and ordain and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. Put these clothing on Aaron, put them on his sons, serve as priests. You shall make for them linen breeches to cover their bare flesh. They shall reach from the loins even to the thighs. 43, they shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they enter the tent of meeting, or when they approach the altar to minister in the holy place, so that they do not incur guilt and die, it shall be a statute forever to him and to his descendants after him. So let me say this, I'm gonna do a little reversal. So it says in verse number 43, the point is, whenever Aaron and his sons are to go into the tabernacle And minister, they should always wear the specific clothing that God has just given Moses for him to wear. Aaron should always be dressed as the high priest and the son should always wear the priestly garments in the tabernacle at all times under the penalty, the threat of death. You don't wear the clothing. God is subject to kill you for not wearing these particular clothing. Okay. Now, let me go back to verse number 42. I want to deal with that because I want to bring more practical teaching to this. Notice it talks about, you should make for them linen breeches to cover their bare flesh so that they shall reach from the loins even to the thighs. So notice, even you see here in the picture that we have here, the only thing that you can see on the high priest is his hands and his feet that he would not wear any shoes. but. There would never be the uncovering of the flesh. All of his body parts, especially, especially when he would go up the stairs of the altar of burnt offerings, to the which we don't have time. But so that nobody would ever look and see the nakedness of the priests or the nakedness, especially the nakedness of the high priest. The flesh of the priest should always be covered. And with that, let me say. To the which, I'm now closing this, to the which we need to understand uh, 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 the sense of morality and how that nothing that would entice sexually, nothing that would grab the attention and take it away from the service and the glory of God. When you look at the high priest, whenever you look at the high priest, it was to take you into the service and the representation of God and not have your eyes be distracted by his flesh and your mind to be moved in the wrong direction. And I'm simply saying all of this to say how we ought, and this is a lesson, this is a practical lesson today. When we come to church, I am tired. I am now, I've been tired, I've been tired for a long time. But I am sick and tired of people coming into the house of, Lord, house of the Lord dressed any kind of way. Let me tell you what I'm not saying. I am not saying that you need to dress up and put on a two-piece suit. I don't care if you come to the house of the Lord, a man dressed in a pair of jeans and, 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 and a regular shirt or whatever. I don't care. And I don't care, woman, if you come to the house of the Lord uh, dressed in, in, in basically, for the most part, just a regular clothing. But what I am saying and what we can see here that is emphasized in the covering of the flesh, do not come to God's house in a distracted manner. You are not coming to God's house to have people's eyes on you to bring people into a desire of the flesh. It, it ain't, you ain't coming to put to show. Now, I understand that the high priest here is decorative and that the priests themselves are decorative, but this is in the manner to the which they represent God. This is done by Jesus. We don't worry about this nowadays, but the point that I want to talk about is the covering of the flesh. I want to talk about the stirring of the nature of fleshly desires. I want to talk about when a joker come to church and you trying to get people to look at you, that's idolatry. I want to talk about when a woman come to church, her dress is so tight. Her skirt is so tight. Her jeans are so tight. You can see the curvature of her body. You can see the breast. You can see the butt. The skirt is short, and that's what I want to talk about. And that's what God speaks to the high priest. Don't, don't cover your flesh. Don't come in my house. Don't come before me any and all kind of way. And especially don't come come before God highlighting, highlighting sexuality. And for this reason, the Bible talks about when we come before God, especially women, because women seem to have this thing about that, come in modest apparel, how that we should dress as becometh godliness. Because what? Anything else, when you come to God's house, your mind is set, whole function of the high priest, to worship God. Your mind is not set to put anybody's attention on you, because of the way that you are dressed, a way that you're trying to look, you are coming to worship God, and anything else is idolatry. And what I am personally sick and tired of is the idolatry that fills the house. The preacher is idolatrous. He sometimes you see the preacher up the car, preaching, his jeans tight, his shirt tight, and all. This is not about bringing attention to your flesh. But then you look at the people coming to church. Sometimes I look, I, have, I I go by early in the morning, I look at some of the people going in the church. I say, one, are you going to church or to a club? I can't tell where she going. And I'm done with that. Okay, this is video been far too long, but I've enjoyed taking my time with it. So what have we seen? Thank God we've gone back to our study in the book of Exodus. Now we have seen the apparel that God has given, namely for the high priest, and also we've seen what, that glory, can I say glory clothing, that God has given for the priest, the sons of Aaron. And the the clothing for the high priest is so unique because what, as you see, the jewels upon his chest, the jewel, the two ornate stones upon his arms, how he bears upon his heart the people of God. And we understand that the true high priest that we have, the faithful high priest, the great high priest that we have is Jesus Christ, our Lord, our God, and our King. And our Jesus bears us. Our names are written on his heart as he bears us before God the Father. And that is a reason to be thankful that Jesus bears our name before God. He deals with all of our sins, all of our transgressions, and all of our failures so that we ourselves may be acceptable before God. Jesus, the great high priest. All right. All right, guys, thanks for joining me with that. Join me next time. I don't know where I'll be. I got a feeling that I'm going to open up with our introduction to the book of Jeremiah. But whether I open up with Jeremiah or continue in the book of Exodus, join me next time. But anyway, guys, if these teachings, of course, have been a blessing to you and you, if God has touched your heart and you want to be a blessing to these, to this ministry and to see these continued teachings, there is always... Uh, link in the description that you can use to support the ministry. And also, check out our merch. I just, I finally decided to do some of that stuff too, just to kind of help out in the ministry. But anyway, guys, for all of your support and all of your prayers, thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.